Blog Talk Radio. And it's another week of American Tennis. And we remind you, at American Tennis, we are all American Tennis Patriots. We all have the same goals, the same objectives. We are all on the same mission. We want American Tennis to be not just one of the best there is, but the best there is. And we do it with just a little bit here and a little bit there, but we do what we can do. On the American Tennis Program, we urge everybody, stand up, speak out, say what you want to say. This is a free forum. It's a free country. And uh, daggone it, we don't need to copy anybody. We just need to be Americans and winning like we are supposed to do. And Americans, hey, I watched Patton last night. Can you tell? I watched Patton for about the 12th time since 1970 when it came out. I get a lot of a big kick out of just the first part of it when he's standing up and he talks about Americans love to fight, they love winners, and we will never be losers. Well, we've got to have and maintain not just the attitude, but you know we've got to have behavior winners, and we've got to do the right thing. Stand up, speak out, address issues, not people. I always tell my friends that you know the people will judge you more based on what you say about others than what others say about you. Dang it. Nothing good to say. Like Mama used to say, don't say anything at all. But uh, it's, in, in American tennis, we try to have as many good, as very good patriotic tennis Americans as we can. And today, our, our program, we, we've got a great one here. And as you know, we have addressed uh, many weeks in the program trying to awaken the sleeping giants in USA tennis. And we've, uh, we are misfiring. We're, we're uh, you know, our engine's missing out a little bit there. I know we've got good people that are trying to make things happen. Uh, but, but somehow our, uh, we've got a power leak with, with um, it just, our, we're, we're leaking somewhere where we're just not getting the job done and uh, we're not overcoming some of the other countries uh, i mean come on folks i mean croatia serbia and these countries there's something going on in these eastern european countries where are the kids just tougher or the russians just tougher than us i don't i don't think so but i, I we're, we're leaking somewhere and so i've been on the the kick of trying to talk about sleep awakening the awakening the sleeping giants of american tennis and um I've got uh, Wilson Matthews is our guest today. Um, um, Wilson, how you doing, man? Doing well, Coach. How are you? Okay, I thought I had you on there, and it's good. it's really good to talk to you. And I, I want to try to give an introduction about what 
where we're trying to go with this, and you're the perfect person to have on because you do have a pretty doggone good background um, as a player, you know, as a as a coach, uh, and then teaching tennis and things. But as I set the table for you here, I wanted to say, you know, that the sleeping giants folks that we've we've addressed before with programs, I've always go to high school and college tennis. I just think we're underachieving. Uh, first of all, high school tennis could be tremendous, but I, I think the format is wrong. Uh, team tennis is for participation. It's not for player development. And so we have a participation model. We don't have a player development model. In college tennis, 80% of the players are international players now, uh, Wilson, uh, 80%. And so, uh, and then again, the team tennis, uh, it. It is a participation model. Uh, tennis is an individual sport with team uh, team opportunities. It's not a team sport with individual opportunities. That's one of the sleeping giants. Second sleeping giant I alluded, alluded to when I was prepping you for the show um, was that at ages 22 to 35, we have nobody playing. Most of those tennis players go out and they're playing golf, but we don't have anything it was always interesting that we had stuff for the juniors. USTA had stuff for juniors and college levels, but then after that, boy, we just, you know, people commit tennis suicide. They're, they're, they go play golf and things. Senior tennis. Wilson, what's the deal on pickleball? Just get, I'm going to go off track here a little bit. What's the deal on pickleball? Is, you know, what, what is your take on that? You know, why are seniors going to pickleball? What do you think? Uh, well, I, I think it is a – easier sport to pick up and it's an easier sport to pick uh to put down you know i think tennis is one of those sports where it takes a little bit more time um to really you know develop your skills and and pickleball it's it's easier you know easier to pick up on on certain skills and and that being said there's less dedication to it so it's also easier to, to to put down so i think it's i think it's just one of those fads where you know it's going to fade away and in the next, uh, I don't know how long, but in the next few years, I think you're going to see a, you know, a, a little bit of a decline. Whereas tennis, you know, is sort of the opposite. You know, once you once you pick up a racket and you start striking a ball, you sort of develop a a, a love for the sport, and it's something that that stays with you. Well, that, that, I mean, that is absolute. I think that's absolutely dead on the mark there. Um, you know, I, I've often thought about it, about fishing. Uh, you live up there pretty close to the mountains uh, now, and I have always thought, you know, fly fishermen, tennis is like fly fishing, and then uh, you've got, I guess, pickleball is more like cane pole fishing. It's easier to do, but you just quickly tire of it. And and But I think the symmetry has been lost. And we, that we could do a whole program on that. Um Ed Crass is does uh, folks Ed Crass Tampa Florida look up one on one doubles, all right. If you listen to the program uh, and your regular listener or just for the first time, look up one on one doubles. What he has is this these tournaments that he does now for players where they play a lot of half court tennis where the symmetry sort of works um the, the ball striking's overcome the movement with seniors too wilson i think that we could go a long way if we would slow down the balls for seniors or have them use wood rackets again they're not going to go back to wood rackets but 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 that's a big part but i don't want to get stuck there but anyhow we could talk about that forever small town tennis now i'm getting where um you know, sort of down to the nitty-gritty of the thing. But I have always pushed Small Town Tennis USA. Small Town Tennis is we have more than 70% of our professional athletes come from towns less than 50,000 people. But in tennis, our small towns very seldom have any tennis programs because, of course, you need someone to teach it. But um, and, and I think we've got a tremendous market in small towns if we could figure out how to get a program I, i've got a program called small town tennis usa a man named dan vonk down in uh south georgia had uh, he had it rolling and i had a good good 
idea there, but it just bombed. I couldn't get any support. I needed some money, folks, on Small Town Tennis USA. All right, so inner city tennis. Here's where I give an introduction to you pretty quick. Wilson Matthews. Okay, so Wilson, you grew up in Greenville, South Carolina area, and I've known you since you were a young, young lad, and your grandfather, Chris, used to bring you over did they what, what did they name you Wilson after tennis or is there a, <laughs> no what, that's what, a, that's Woodrow that's Wilson why <laughs> why did they name you Wilson well uh first name is actually Christopher um Wilson's my middle name so uh okay you know when my grandfather was still alive they had uh they didn't want three Christophers going so they they named me Wilson so you're really Christopher Matthews the third Okay, we could I'm call it uh, Trey. I guess Wilson's better than Trey, right? <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Correct. You know, so okay, I got it. Uh, the, you know, the story is, you know, maybe it was a Wilson tennis ball or something. You know, uh, hit you in the head or something when you were young. I don't know, but anyhow, right. most, Wilson Matthews. Most, Matthew. most of the time, they refer uh, they refer to me as the volleyball, not the tennis ball, though. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So. But as a player, then you end up playing college tennis at, at Erskine College, where you're the number one player. And then, then you were an assistant uh, coach, of course, for two years, college coach. You got to go to College Park, Maryland. Okay, folks, College Park, Maryland. Everybody knows that the Junior Tennis Champion Center at College Park, Maryland. Of course, now you have Francis Tiafo that came out of there, Dennis Kudla, you had, uh, I think, Tracy Capra made round of 16 the U.S. Open. She came from there. Great coaches like Frank Salazar, Vesa Ponka. Vesa's still doing tremendous work there. I was privileged enough to work there for three and a half years, but they just do a, a great job up there <clears throat> with high-level players, but also inner-city programs. But now you're uh, the head professional at the Croc Center, uh, the Ray Kroc Center, which is an inner-city tennis program in Greenville, South Carolina. Now, here's the point, folks, and I want to start talking to Wilson. Uh, one of the sleeping giants is inner-city tennis. Would you agree, Wilson? Uh, I completely agree with that. Completely and agree. The US, uh, but you'd agree the USTA has put a lot of money into inner-city programs, right? I would I would agree. Yes, they have. All right. What's going on with it, and what are your what are some of your challenges? Uh, why I, I mean I'm, I'm not going to be critical, but is it working? Well, you know exactly, and I and I don't want to be critical too. You know I see I see the great things that the USDA is trying to do, but it's, at the same time I, I don't see any of of what they're doing in in our programs at the Croc Center. Um, you know, most most of our kids, and you know, I'm trying to change the culture around the tennis center. But most of our kids, it's it's sort of a they they come and and they go through the clinics. Uh, there's there's not a whole lot of commitment. Um, I've been there for almost a year now. Um, you know, players just use us as sort of a I almost want to say a catalyst. So once we introduce them to the sport of tennis, if they if they felt like pursuing it, then they would go, you know, somewhere else to a bigger name academy, either locally or, you know, they would they would go to, uh, you know, out, out of state schools or things like that. But what I'm trying to do now is is take these kids, these inner city kids that we have, just fantastic athletes. Um, you know, we have we have scholarships and financial aid for these kids, and I, you know, I, I want to try to to grow a program because I really feel like, you know, there's cities all over the U S but I feel like Greenville is one of those cities that has a lot of potential, uh, a lot of great athletes. And, you know, I'm trying to, trying to work with these kids and, and basically give them the opportunity to, to uh, maximize their, their potential. Yeah. But again, I mean, the, the potential is tremendous, right? Correct. I mean, the potential, but it's not coming to fruition is what, you know, I, I, would, I, would, I would argue that 
most of the kids in inner city programs don't want to stand up and get, they want to fit in and stay in. In other words, they want to fit into the probably stereotype at football and basketball or the sports. Some baseball. Right. Not so much, not as much baseball, but football, basketball are the sports. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of the so, best athletes are going to those sports. Right, right. So uh, the USTA has been pushing good athletes through inner city programs. It's not like they haven't had opportunities. You know, it, it's nature, nurture, self, right? So, I mean, if you look right. at nature, nurture, self, the talent, okay, the ability, the opportunity, the desire. So the ability is great. You're, you're talking, I mean, the ability is there, right? But in, in the talent thing is there. So would we be right in saying that we've got to go towards self or towards, uh, you know, ability, opportunity, the desire of the, the people to play? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, trying to, I'm, I'm trying to segment it here to where we can pinpoint, you know, what, what, what's going on. Where's the leak? Where, where's the leak here? Why, why isn't it happening? Am I missing something? Well, in in my opinion, I think one of the one of the biggest leaks is okay. You 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 spend money and you 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 know you put on a clinic for the inner city kids and you know they they come out. A lot of times you have a great turnout. Sometimes you get you know fifty kids. Sometimes you get one hundred and fifty. You know, so there's there, there's great turnout for these programs, but then there's no follow up. You know, a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of what what has to do with it is. You know, some of these folks, maybe they can make it one weekend, but transportation gets difficult for, for some of these kids, and, you know, the, the parents can't commit to anything, and then, and then after that they fall off the wagon and they, they go back to their, to their local park and pick up a basketball and start playing basketball again. And then you have, you know, four empty tennis courts because n- nobody's followed up with them, you know. So they're not seeing these these people play tennis. They're they're seeing all their friends and and all these you know professional athletes that they're looking up to play basketball and football. And so um, I think if if we as American tennis teachers and coaches did a better job of following up with these kids and, and just educating them on the benefits of tennis, um, I, I think that would help attract. And, and retain more of these, more of these athletes that are just introduced to the sport. Uh, you know, I, I, there's nobody out there listening that wouldn't agree. I mean, I think you're exactly right. However, I, I need to tell you a couple, a couple quick things. All right. So you worked at College Park, Maryland, at the Junior Champion Center, and we had outreach programs there for the D.C. area. Right. We 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 would That's go right. into different communities, inner city. Correct. Okay. Correct. So now I'm going to compare two things. I went, uh, I think I went to four or five of them in my time there. Um, and <clears throat> so the first one we went to, I remember we went out there and we had probably 25 kids and we tried to teach them uh, some tennis strokes and we had the rackets and the equipment and stuff. And it broke down within 10 minutes. <laughs> You know, it broke down within 10 minutes. I mean, kids were running around swatting everybody with with the ball and and stuff. And, I mean, I was trying to use my PE 101 degree as best I could uh, in trying to get it, get it some, I said something in, in going wrong. And what I did was I got two of the better players from College Park to put on a little bit of an exhibition. And some of the kids, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, that's how you do that. And then they wanted to do a little bit. And it went from instruction, you know, and we were basically, I guess, even me, I was a city parks guy. Dr. Sid E. Parks was my professor. (laughs) And I was a city parks guy, never had any lessons. But I went back to try to just meat and potatoes. I'd let them hit. And then I said, okay, you guys go out and see if you can keep rallying together. And uh, we did a little bit of that, and it worked. Now, the next time, though, when we went out, this is what worked well. We went out, and I put together a little tournament. A little tournament was competition, and then just say, here's how you score. Holy cow, it was night and day when we cut them loose to compete a little bit. It was bad. Yep. I mean, the technique was bad, but, but it, it, we, 
we had a little bit more success. Do you, do you, do you see where I'm going with this? Oh, I do, 100%. You know, 100%. And, 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 you know I, I, yeah, go ahead. I, I was, I was going to say I've, I've used, um, you know, not, not only with our outreach programs, but just all of our programs in general, you know, you, you, use, you use competing as the reward for uh, whatever it is, technical work, physical work. You know, these, these kids, they, they just want to compete. Their eyes light up when, when they get to, you know, when they get to play against somebody else, when they actually get to play against the sport. And I think, I, I think sometimes, um, you know, when you, when you do these outreach programs or, or even just clinics in general, I, I think there's a really heavy focus on technique and, and it sort of takes the, takes the fun out of, out of why you're actually learning the sport. I mean, I, I don't think anybody would, would disagree. The reason you learn tennis is to compete. I mean, that's the, that's the reason you learn any sport, right, is for, is for that mm-hmm. camaraderie and that, and that competition. Well, without a doubt. I mean, my wife teaches art, so it would be similar. Here's what we do, folks, and I think we all make this mistake. We get paralysis by analysis, which would be the loaded language, I guess. But my wife is an art teacher, too, and it would be like her spending all the time teaching the kids how to hold a brush and dip it into the paint instead of saying, here you go, go at it, and just <laughs> let, letting them free, free, uh, freelance a little bit. Now, that's where the teaching comes in, I think. You've got to sort of bleed tennis in. So I well, play coach, tennis I, with – go ahead. Go ahead. Can yeah, I just cut in right in. there and use that art analogy? Yeah. You know, that's, that's where some of the best paintings are, come from as well. You know, with without the without uh, the technique, and you and you just let them take that brush to a canvas, and I, sometimes, I mean, let them let their creativity take over. I think it's the same thing. I mean, you give you give some of these kids a racket, and you let their athletic mm-hmm. ability take over. I mean, they'll they'll surprise you. You know what I mean? So you get them hooked on the sport first. You know, let them let them compete, let them get a taste of what it's like, and then once they're hooked, that's when you really start to to mold them into into a tennis player. So I'm going to go here with this, and whoa, I'm living on the edge. And if you are a USTA employee, this is no slam on you, but I am slamming committees that came up with that god awful design for that place down on Lake, I call it Lake Cabona. You know, I know I'll never be welcome. <laughs> but I went down there, and this is hilarious. But here's what we do. This is where we botch up things, folks, and we're hitting it on the head when we're trying to talk about teaching inner-city kids tennis. You know, you have kinesthetic learners, and then you have repetitive learners, first of all, if you want to to make things more technical and understand why. Some people learn by doing, and then you have to go backwards and learn how to come back and get strokes. Other people are more repetitive-minded and are more melancholic in their thinking and they're more detailed and they're more micromanagers. Anyhow, have you ever been down to Lake Cabona yet? Or, sorry, Lake Nona down there, which, uh, Wilson? Uh, no, have you ever been have, down there? I have not. All right. Okay. Not. Any of you that have been there, you're going to get a chuckle out of this. My friend who went down there, he's been on the tour, traveled all over, played, coached a lot. He said, Coach, I went down there to Lake Nona. Holy cow. You know, Coach, that looks like the Death Star, you know, in the movie Star Wars. <laughs> he says, and everybody running around there working are like stormtroopers. They're stormtroopers and Ewoks are working, and I, I go, oh, my gosh, I've just been down there, and it is so true. It's so sterile. It is so sterile, folks, and there's nothing you can do about it. It's already this big uh, mega structure, but why didn't you do something like make it look like Newport or something, something of heritage or history? Why don't you have a history and heritage museum? Why don't you honor some of the former greats of the U.S.? Why don't you have an educational part there. I mean, you go in there, it's like going to the city park. You look in, you got this massive 50-court complex. It looks like you go to the city park courts in the middle of some megapolis of a town. Now, holy cow, I've got to call you out, folks. Sorry. I know you're not going to dump that facility, USTA, 
But my, I just started laughing like crazy because it is exactly right. They should have made it, you know, like Wimbledon. You go there and you walk, whoa, whoa, it knocks the wind out of you because there's so much. The class of everything are at the French Open. I didn't care too much for an Australian Open because it was in Melbourne and it was had some heritage but too modern stuff. It, you know, I, I don't know. But, you know, we do stuff. Uh, anyhow, so there's inside-out learning or outside-in learning. So you believe, Wilson, that, to, okay, so what do we do? What do we do to get these kids hooked on tennis? Well, uh, like I said, I mean, I think, I think competing is a great, uh, is a great catalyst to um, sort of, accelerate their interest in the sport, you know, get, get players competing, uh, immediately, you know, and, and actually coming up here in the next couple of weeks, I'm starting a series of, of parent seminars just to, just to educate parents on the importance, uh, of competing in tennis, you know, not just showing up for practice and swinging a racket, but actually getting out there and, and, you know, lear- learning about the competitive values because, um, I think you and I both agree on this. I think tennis competing uh, in tennis uh, teaches teaches great great values, competitive values that that are used, um, you know, just just in life in general. So I think competing is is the number one, you know, and I think number two, maybe even more important than number one, is, is just following up, you know, making sure that if if you see that a child has interest or anybody for that matter, somebody has interest in tennis you know, giving them easier, easy access to be able to play the sport more. That is true. I I mean, go go ahead. Go ahead. No, I said my, I took my um, daughter to her first USTA tournament uh, last weekend and drove down to Marietta and it said it's a uh, Laurel Park in Marietta. And I've never been to more, uh, what I want to say, receptive, Easy to, easy to enter, comfort in being there. It's a park setting. When you go there, it's just like, whoa. It's not like something that smacks you in the face and where you shiver when you walk in. There's no entourage or anything. It's just a welcoming atmosphere at this city park. But, um, uh, you know, the the park was just, there's a park there, and it's it's sort of, a, you know, in a, an area of Marietta where there's lots of other things going on. They've got basketball goals there, baseball batting cages. They've got a little pond. They've got all these different things. But the park, when you walk into the tennis part, it's it's beautiful. And it's just they've got picnic tables and all those things. So it's just the whole layout of it is nice, number one. But what I was going to say is when I was getting driving down there with my daughter, I said, honey, there's never been a tournament that I've gone to in my life that you walk in the first day, you're, you're like, whoa, you're a little nervous, and the place is sort of like, it's just, uh, there's a comfort level to being used to going on tennis courts. But that place made it very nice, but almost always it's intimidating to kids to get on the tennis court. So you're saying, how do we make kids more welcome or feel more comfortable you know, going to a tennis tennis courts. Well, that that's that's a good question. Um, you know, I hadn't I hadn't really. I mean, of it would, that would, way. do kids walk up? You've got a great great tennis center there, but do you believe that kids when they walk up there, they they would feel comfortable. Hey, I go out of these tennis courts and and uh, play tennis. No, I mean it, it happens a lot. You know, you see you see a kid show up for the first time for their first tennis lesson, and they they've got their tail tucked between their legs, and you know I I think uh, you're right. It is very intimidating a lot of times. Um, you know, so I as as a coach as a teacher, you know I I try to make the kids feel you know more more comfortable. Let them get out of their shells a little bit. Let them let them yell. Let them laugh. Let them run. You know. Um, it, it, it's not always the first the first few times it's not always about following you know these 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 rules of tennis you know it's it's 
perceived as a as a country club sport, you know, and then you you look out on a on a basketball court or on a football field and it just looks like so much more fun because you're able to uh, you know, you're you're able to yell and and laugh and and talk freely, you know. So I think it I think with tennis, especially for the young ones, it's it's important to let them sort of sort of be themselves uh out there on the tennis court. Mm-hmm. I think I that allows them to to sort of overcome that fear and that uncomfortability that they feel when they when they first arrive. I mean, even if it was you had a you had a ball out there, a soccer ball or a football or something, you were throwing it around on the tennis court. I mean, kids might feel more comfortable, you know, doing that a little bit, and then bring rackets out and stuff, and so let's try this too, and, and different right. things. But when it brings me up to a point, I think about the park where I grew up, Indianapolis, Indiana, and at the park where I grew up. It wasn't just going over there to play tennis. I went over probably, you know, the first summer I was a seventh grader. I'd just hang out over there because people threw were throwing baseballs. They always got a touch football game going in the, in the next yard. next. But the tennis thing intrigued me because I saw people playing it, and it was very hard to do. I always tell people, this is a good one. You have to think about this one now, Wilson. But I played for three drugs that I got. When I was a kid, you know what they were? I might have told you this before. I think I do. Okay. I got dopamine, adrenaline, and endorphins. I got the dopamine. When I first played tennis, I got a dopamine rush when I would hit that ball right smack dab in that sweet spot. And especially if I could control where it went. Oh, and then later, if I felt the spin on a slice or a finally got a kick serve and you could feel the spin now what they've done with the technology they screwed up the rackets and they screwed up the game when they started make technology and, and you know it, it took away the dopamine rush you know my daughter's playing with an 85 85 uh racket old pete sampras rackets holy <laughs> cow and she absolutely loves the feel of it these other rackets are like daggone trampolines or something you know and right. uh, so, but anyhow, the dopamine, adrenaline was from the competition, how hard it was, and then the endorphins when you trained. But but you're right, it was it, there was an easy entry to go play because I would say I see a kid playing, I say I could do that, and say come here play, that play and they'd beat you and go oh, whoa 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 wait a minute, <laughs> and so you it was a very easy entry. So I, I guess folks, if you're listening out there. Try to rate your courts where you're at, you know, one to ten, how difficult it is for just some kid to just walk over and play. You got to make it to where kids just feel comfortable, you know, you know, getting out there, you know. And well, what about the? Let's go back to the competition, Wilson. So let's say you got you have what? What do you have to show for the clinics? Thirty people, thirty people or something, thirty kids. Yeah, depending on the depending on it, usually usually about. They're closer to forty. So okay. So good, how many help? Group. How many people you have helping? How many people you have helping? Uh, we typically have uh, six or seven coaches, depending on the number. Oh, we that's try not great. to do more than six to good. a court. All right. So what? What do you typically do? How do you? How do you get the thing rolling? Well, a lot of times we'll start off with a a non tennis uh, specific game. You know something. Something like uh, there's, I don't know, we come up with different games, but like a little Pac-Man game where they have to trace the lines on the court, and that's a good way for them to learn, you know, what the boundaries of the court are. Sometimes we do uh, kind of like monkey in the middle with either with either the tennis ball or or a uh, or a soccer ball, you know, so we get them engaged in, in different ways, and then we sort of segue them into, you know, playing and, and holding the racket. Right, right. So, you know, years ago, I think I told you this the other day, I was honored enough in the, it was the early 80s, I guess, early to mid-80s, I got to uh, be on this uh, USTA roundtable discussion, only 10 people in the room, but Arthur Ashe was one of them, and uh, the question I asked him was, where is the problem we have with tennis more people playing and he said level two now i hadn't thought about that i always thought it was right after college there was nothing for players to do we lost players all the time 
after college because the entry level to professional tournaments is so much easier than it is now, but it was ridiculously hard. He said, no, it's level two, and here's the point. He said it's when you go from participation as a where you go from playing tennis to wanting to be a tennis player. He said, when you say, I want to play this sport, I want to be good at it. He said, that's where we're losing everybody, when we go from simple participation to performance. And I've always argued that the USTA, and we don't ever separate these two, because participation, social players still want to think that, you know, they are into performance goals. But what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think there's a, you know, I think there's a social route for tennis, um, you know, that, that has its place. You know, somebody just wants to learn the sport. Um, usually, usually it's a, it's a mom or dad that wants to get their kid involved or, or maybe it's a couple that, you know, wants to get involved and just, and just do it socially. Uh, you know, and I, and I think that's fantastic because tennis is a sport for life, but, um, you know, on the, on the competitive side of things, you know, what you're talking about level two going from, you know, being somebody that plays tennis to a tennis player, um, you know, I think I think that takes a little bit more dedication, not not necessarily from the player, but from but from the teacher, uh, from the coach, from from the person who got that that player involved in tennis in the first place, um, and and I think that involvement is is it go it goes it goes back to what you were talking about the the dopamine the adrenaline and the endorphins you know how how do you get a player hooked on tennis how do you, how do you activate those those three um and I, you know and, and different coaches have have different methods different people do different things um for that but i think i think once a player once you have a player hooked on tennis you know it's a hard sport to pick up which makes it even harder to put down so once you have that foundation I, then the willingness the willingness to, uh, you know, push themselves, you know, when you get that endorphin, that endorphin rush after, after a tough practice, you know, you work up a sweat. I, I think that's where we need to, to catch these junior players and, and just, you know, keep, keep nourishing that enjoyment, keep nourishing that, that feeling of, you know, I, I, I've done something, you know, I've, I've done something for myself today. I've bettered myself as not only a, uh, tennis player, but as a human being, I think that's where we need to uh, really make a make a big push when when training these kids. I, you know, I, I could not agree more. And you have to be able to separate the kids. I think probably there are twenty percent of the kids that will never be enjoy competing. I, I had six kids in my family, and I had a sister that did not want to compete ever. She didn't like competing. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I think 20%, 20, maybe 25%. I think there's 10 to 15% of people that are just born to compete. But I think the 65 or 70%, 65% of all of us have to learn those skills. Uh, And and, uh, it's an up and down roller coaster. But I think that we don't go far enough. One of, one of the things I wanted to make, I've got to, I've got to go to a quick break here, uh, but I wanted to say that we made a huge mistake when we changed the equipment to where it became easier to play but easier to put down. When we gave the fly rod up, which was the wood racket, and then had kids use cane poles. When we gave, you know, the... The violin up, and we gave kids, uh, you know, uh, electric guitar or something. You know, and it's probably not a fair, but but you understand where I'm going to there, with, with there, because the easier right. to pick up, I think that dopamine rush and is, is quite important. We'll be right back, this Coach Chuck Creasy, and we'll be right back with Wilson Matthews in this American Tennis. Folks, this is Coach Chuck Creasy, and I am always telling you about my book, Coaching Tennis. It has been out now for over 20 years. It is the third highest-ranking book, the third bestseller, and rated the third best coaching book ever written on the sport of tennis. Over 40,000 copies 
or throughout the United States and on five of the continents. Folks, get your book, Coaching Tennis, by Coach Chuck Creasy, K-R-I-E-S-E. You can go to Amazon and order it. And we hope that you will go through it page by page and read the stories, the loaded language, and get a lot of tips because all of the information is still very relevant. Coaching Tennis by Coach Chuck Creasy. Coach Chuck Creasy, and we're back. We have Coach Wilson Matthews, and uh, we're talking about the sleeping giants in American tennis. All of us have the same um, the same goals for American tennis. One thing that's always been interesting to me, Wilson, is that in sport, ten, the sport of tennis is ranked number two in the world as the most popular sport. All over the all over the world, and but I heard in the United States one of the statistics some 15 years ago, we got that it was like 19th or 20th in the United States as far as popular activities. Uh, do you, first of all, do you think that's a true statistic? And secondly, if it is, why? Uh, yeah, I think it is a, a true statistic, and I think we've already touched on it a little bit. You know, I, I'm pretty sure soccer uh, would be number one Soccer's overall. number one. Yeah, well, soccer's well. number one in the world. Number one in the world. And I hate to say this yeah. tragically, do you know that ten, tennis is the n- number two, ranked number two also in gambling, the gambling industry? Folks, this is horrible. But think about it, at 128 draw at the U.S. Open, there's 127 gambling opportunities in in that. It's in, Wilson had DraftKings. The, the DraftKings was the sponsor of Wimbledon, French Open. I didn't see many of the U.S. Open commercials. But it's. I heard it's number two. People bet on it from all over the world. And this is a big reason why they are making this score, folks, why they're randomizing and doing abbreviated scoring. It's horrid. It's horrid. You know, the gambling industry, I hope the mafia doesn't come after me here or something, but my golly, it's just horrid. You know, so it's, I don't want to get off on that tangent. I've been working very, very hard to get try to people to get try to get people to preserve the honor and the integrity of our sport. You would not believe in Wilson in junior tennis and college tennis when they use no ad scoring how much cheating goes on. It, it is unbelievable. We're, te- we're teaching the best skill we're teaching kids in college tennis is when and how to cheat well. You know, and I hate to, to say that, but it's absolutely true. So I don't I don't know if you had a comment on that, but uh, I want to I want to yeah. know why. Go ahead. Why why it's number two sport in the world? Maybe you want to talk on both of those <laughs> a little bit. Well, I didn't want to go in, in that direction. To- yeah, in, in regards to scoring, you know, I, I uh, will rarely, if ever, have uh, kids play no ad. You know, if if, if uh, practice is over and, and I'm having them compete, you know, maybe maybe the very last game, you know, we we go to we we do no ad. Um, but and, and at the same time, I feel like I'm I'm taking something away from them because tennis is not a timed sport. You know, you you go out there and you fight till the very last point. Um, and, and I feel like the with the no ad system and, and the abbreviated scoring, I, I feel like it, it it makes tennis. I mean, I, I don't know what's going to be next. Maybe it's uh, maybe you play thirty minute halves, you know, and just is score as many points as you can. Um, yeah, that would make sense. I don't want to. I don't want to get off on that. Um, I, I think number number two is uh, the reason it's. it's the number two is still the most popular sport in the world is because, you know, these, these other countries, first of all, they have, they have better, better role models. Well, I shouldn't say better, but they have more role models in these sports. You know, I think it's, I think it's less intimidating um, from the heritage of, 
of these other countries for a kid to go out there on a tennis court, just like it is uh, in soccer. You know, soccer is the most popular sport in the, in the world, but, you know, it's not the most popular sport in the U.S. either. Um, and I feel like, you know, it, it goes back to feeling comfortable stepping onto a grassy field. You know, it goes back to feeling comfortable stepping onto some concrete with, with tennis lines painted on it. You know, how do we, how do we make our kids more comfortable, more confident when they, when they first get out there? You know, not only their first time, but their second time and their third time. Um, I think, I think tennis on, in, in other parts of the world too, I, I feel like there's, you know, I feel like the, the, the tennis associations are, are doing a better job of this than, than we are. You know, overall, I feel like the, the coaches and the money that goes into it, you know, I feel like it, it's, it's being uh, the allocation of, of those funds, of their resources, is, is better than ours. I, I think that's what it boils down to. What would you do if you were in charge of USTA? How, how would you do it differently? Oh wow, that's a that that's a big question. Um, you know, <laughs> I think number number one, um, just just sitting down uh, with with uh, with some coaches and just it, just finding out the the best way to keep these kids in, engaged in the sport. You know, if 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 a kid falls in love with baseball, it's because they want to hit home runs over the fence. You know, if a kid wants to get out there and feel that dopamine rush by striking a tennis ball you know, into the back fence or over the fence, I say let them the first few times. Let, let, them, let them get that attraction. You know, let them, let them feel that, that endorphin rush. And, and then, you know, once you have them hooked, then you start to mold the player and then you start to teach them how to compete. And then, and then once you're, you're two, three, four months into it, you're hooked, you know, and you, and you can't put the racket down. Um, I, I think this is a little bit uh, similar topic, but, you know, we you spoke about high school um, at the at the start being a sleeping giant. You know, one one of my biggest uh, one of my biggest reservations for for players saying they want to play high school tennis is, you know, I'm like, well, you're you're probably gonna get worse for the next two or three months. You've been training with me for, you've been training with other coaches. You know, you you've been you've been training for the last however long, and you want to play high high school tennis now. Well. The high school coaches, they do a great job of organization. They do a great job of, of making it accessible, but the, there is no training. You know, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of these JVs and even the varsity teams, there's no, there's no cuts anymore. So you take away the competitive aspect of it. It's just, it's just a social sport. You know, um, I've got some – some very competitive players, you know, some, some USDA tournament players, UTR tournament players, and, and they're doing it for the competition, yet, you know, on practice days, you know, they, they're, not even, they're not even allowed to come and, and train with me during their high school season. And, and I, think that's, I think that's one of the biggest, you know, I, I think that's what hurts tennis the most is, you know, these kids, they go out there and, and, and they socialize. You're, you're, and I'm talking about these players that are already competitive players. They go out there and they socialize and they sort of, you know, they, they lose interest because of the lack of competition, the lack of structured training and practices. You know, and I think that we could do a better job. I think the USTA could do a great job of sort of educating these coaches on how to train players, not just, not just gather everybody uh, to one to one site and say, okay, go play a few matches, but actually, how do you how do you get work done? How do you train all those players? Well, that's the million dollar question there because uh, from forever, uh, high skilled sports like golf and tennis and some of the others, uh, what they do at the high schools is they'll give a uh, maybe the the English teacher or the science teacher a couple hundred dollars stipend and says be the tennis coach and the, and that's where right. it is we we had a, in player um, small town tennis USA one of the things we were trying to attempt to do was to use uh, some of the players that played like 
five, six, seven, eight on their college teams to go into communities and work with high school coaches and things in the summertime and maybe, you know, just lend them out a little bit so that they did get some expertise. And it's really, really hard. Again, uh, I mean, you could, I always use fly fishing, but um, with fly fishing, you have to have a little bit of instruction. It's a feel thing, and it's a tremendous art, but you have to have a little bit of instruction. Tennis, you need a little bit of instruction. So I, I've argued uh, probably shout-out to uh, Texas high school tennis is the best I've ever seen in that, uh, Wilson, what they do is in the fall they'll run a short team season for the – the guys and the girls um, at, you know, you know, it'll run till maybe mid-October. But then the rest of the year is indivi- are individual tournaments. So they have a team season in the fall, then they do an individual tournament season. During that individual tournament season, you can sort of work with players a little bit easier. And I listen, in college we have the same issues. You, I'll have 13 players out, and you know this from having coached, You'll you'll have mm-hmm. ten to thirteen to fifteen players out, and you've got to go through some certain things. And so the instruction is basically motivational instruction and different things like that. But in high school, you're, you're exactly right. We we need to figure out something. It, it is a sleeping giant. It's it's um, you know we need to need to figure figure that one out. But I think tournament tennis, again, folks, t- tennis is a Tournament sport, an individual sport with individual opportun- with team opportunities. It is not a team sport where we try to have individual opportunities. It's more like uh, track and field or uh, golf or uh, swimming or you know, it's an individual sport you know with team opportunities. But but your, your points well taken. How, how about the youngsters that you work with? Are they are they pretty much good athletes or? You getting the ones that are left over from football and basketball, and I, I know that's a tough one. Uh, is it a mixture, or are you getting the prime athletes? Is what I'm asking. Well, I would say, I would say it's it's a mixture. Um, you know the the best athletes. There's there's only there's only a handful that I have. You know, a lot of times you're you're trying to make a diamond. Out of, a, out of out of coal, which is which is totally doable. That makes it, you know, more difficult. That makes it more challenging as a coach, and and that's why that's why I am a coach because I enjoy that that challenge. I think, you know, no matter what your background is, you know, I, I feel like my job is to maximize your potential. You know, I want to I want to teach you how to work for mastery, even even if your mastery isn't isn't as um, isn't as good as, as somebody else's, you know, just based on your athletic ability. But, you know, I, I, my top players, you know, I would say my top six or seven players are phenomenal athletes. You know, I, a majority of them are, are, are female players right now, young young girls, and they're amazing athletes. And, you know, when you when you have a player like that, you know, it, it's such a blessing because then you get to – and you get to work with them, and you and you get to teach them how to how to fall in love with the sport. And then once they fall in love with the sport, you know they can't they can't put it down. They're asking me, "Hey, coach, when when's our next lesson? You know, can I stay after practice and serve? You know, can I come to practice 15 minutes early and, and hit against the hit against the wall?" And you know, as as a coach, I mean, you you love to see that. You absolutely love to see it. So, I think it's you know it, it, it's not necessarily based on pure athleticism uh tennis is one of those sports one of those individual sports where you you know you said it you you do need instruction uh you you can't just go out there and you know any anybody any great athlete can go out there and catch a ball or throw a ball but tennis requires a little bit more instruction and i think once you fall in love with the sport that's when that's when the players are more open to instruction uh, absolutely, without a doubt, and you've got to get past that first initial. I, I always said it was six months of being crummy with tennis. If you can keep people in for six months, if you can, a lot of times they will get hooked on a sport. But it's again, it doesn't come until they start being able to control 
the ball a little bit. It's sort of like playing piano. Until you can play, uh, it's not twinkle, twinkle, little star, until you graduate to row, row, row your boat or whatever. You know, it's really, really hard to uh, right. um, you know, be in love with something until it sounds like or it looks like something uh, that is, there's merit, merit with. You know. so, okay, so I want to just get a quick, quick feedback here. Okay, high school tennis, college tennis, we talked about that. Talked about the sleeping giant, 22 to 35 years old. Do you believe that's a sleeping giant there? What could we do? I do. I, I do. You know, one of one of the most frequent uh, questions that that we get um, at the Croc Center is, is from you know 22 to 35 year old men and women that you know maybe they played high school tennis. You know, they were they were pretty competitive. Maybe they took a break during college. Maybe they played college tennis, but what? what's left after that you know a lot of people uh hang hang their hang up their racket just because there's there's not enough there's not enough players to to play with and i think uh one thing that i've i've really been doing is is actively seeking out these um you know these these experienced players and and at the cross you know trying to give a a platform um for, for these for these men and women to come out and play and, and you know it, recently in the last I would say the last three months really since the since the summer you know we probably have fifteen to twenty you know competitive twenty two to thirty year old players that that are that are very frequent now whereas before oh, you know good. I didn't, very I didn't good. that is fine so you know I think I think just just giving them a platform. Uh, giving them a place to play, you know, introducing them to other players uh, of, of similar levels is, is a great way to sort of uh, kickstart that, that interest in tennis again. And, you know, now now it's like once – and, again, once you pick up that racket again, it's like you can't put it down. And the same thing goes for, for um, you know, beginner players. There's, there's, I've got a lot of, a lot of young adults that are – that are looking for lessons. They're they're a little nervous when they show up because they've never played before. They don't know what tennis is all about. And you know, I, I love I love the fact that they're calling in and and asking questions and just you know I think trying to educate them and, and make it just like you would for junior players. Just make it fun for them the first time because you know it's always been looked at as as a country club sport. You know, clap your hands and then you know hush, be quiet during the point. Just letting them kind of be themselves, letting them talk, letting them laugh. More, more the I'm I'm speaking about more the social route here um, for for the beginner players. But again, once once you introduce them to the sport, you know they they get a good foundation, and then the adults fall in love with the competition too. They start they start joining some of our leagues at the Croc Center. They start playing more. They're asking, hey, can I get a list of other players to play with? And you know, so I think. Um, I think overall, just America in general, you know, for for tennis, we need to do a better job of of facilitating opportunities for for people to play. You know, making it making it less intimidating, being more inviting. You know, do, doing away with with the the typical stereotypes for tennis. You know, let them come out and let them enjoy the sport the way the way it was meant to be enjoyed. I, I I couldn't agree more. I your insights are exactly right. I I think that we have a we have these areas that we could pinpoint and help, but in the end it's you have to fall in love with that sport. It has to be tougher it's a little it's tough to pick up. Maybe you can help it be a little bit easier to pick up, but it once you get hooked it's impossible to put down. It is the sport of a lifetime, but you have to make it com- competitive you know like that and there and there's always going to be different ways of teaching but uh we always say the biggest thing here at wilson besides high school tennis college tennis 22 to 35 senior tennis small town tennis inner city tennis listen up folks the biggest sleeping giant is you grab somebody and teach them how to play tennis get somebody that if you're an older person take them out and get off the couch and go hit some tennis balls. 
teach a youngster how to play. But I think the biggest thing is you. Wilson, I'm going to give the last word there. We've enjoyed having you on the program. And uh, absolutely, Ray Kroc, the Croc Center in Greenville, South Carolina. Folks, you need to be lining up and go there. Uh, you've got great staff and great opportunities to play. Anything anything there to how they can – are you on, the, are you on uh, the Internet there? Do you have a website or anything I can give to everybody? Oh, yeah. If, if you go to um, – if you type in Croc Tennis Center, we're the only – we're the only uh, – K-R-O-K, right. It's K-R-O-K. Is that correct? K K R O C. Croc K-R-O-C. Right. If you Google that, we'll we'll pop right up. We'll be we'll be the first one. It's a beautiful facility, extremely friendly, you know, coaching staff. We've got a lot of experience, some former ATP players uh coaching with us, so uh as well as as well as some, you know, just seasoned veterans that have been around the sport for 30, 40 years. Um it, it, it's a fantastic place to to just come and, and enjoy the sport, like I said, the way it was meant to be enjoyed. Well, Wilson Matthews, we cannot thank you enough for being on American Tennis. And, uh, folks, let's get it done. Okay, Made in America. Thanks, Wilson Matthews. Thank you, guys. Come